Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Okay, you guys are a boring bunch of folks. Um, Please do something. Enjoy yourself this week. Hey, I want you to uh, know that my mother-in-law is here from Indiana this morning. Bonnie. She she is uh, beautiful and awesome. She's put up with me for like more than 15 years now. And so I'm thankful for that. Yes? Yeah, that's that's something to clap for. Um, Well, um, here's what I want to do. Last week, Luke came and talked to you, shared some stories about our recent trip to Brazil. Most of you know by now that uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, myself and a team, a bunch of folks were in Brazil, and we did the Resound Conference there and just had a beautiful time. And last week, Luke had a shot of telling you some stories, and today, I just kind of want to tell you some of my own. Is that okay? Yeah. And then I promise I won't bug you after that on Brazil stuff. I, I would say this. Do this for me. If you know someone, someone that was on the team uh, take them out, buy them a coffee, and just say, hey, tell me all of your stories, because they're so encouraging, they're so challenging, they're so beautiful. Um, you really, really want to do that, because there's so much there that I, I think God would um, just just do in your heart and, and inspire you in so many ways. But I, I get to share some of my own this morning. It, it was just a beautiful time. It always is in Brazil. Brazil is never a, a dumb place to go to. It's, it's beautiful, and uh, we just experienced day after day, over and over, just these, these times of ministry that it just seemed so easy and effortless, and obviously it was exhausting, it was a very busy schedule, but it seemed so easy, even the ministry, the, the spiritual stuff, and even the physical stuff, it just seemed to happen so easily. Um, it, in fact, I, I found myself even trying to almost talk people out of being healed at times because it just seemed too easy. There's this one time Emily was praying for this girl with her knee was really messed up, really bad. She couldn't really stand on it. And I came and joined her and we prayed for her. And I said, after, how are you doing? Try it out. And she said, it's better. And I said, okay, okay, well, like if one is really painful and 10 is perfect, where are you? She's like, oh, it's a 10. And I'm like, well, you know, we can keep praying for you. It's totally cool. We don't have to rush through this. It's no big deal. And, and uh, you, kind of, you understand what I'm saying? And, and eventually she was like, I understand. It's you that don't understand. Like, it's, it's better. You can move on now. Thank you. And I'm like, uh, okay. Well, it's almost felt too easy. And so we just had all kinds of beautiful times like that. Another special moment for me was this. About two weeks before we went, I was with um, uh, some of the team, some of the guys that were going to be speaking. When we were here up in the conference room upstairs, and we were praying about the week and praying about what we would share, what we would speak, and this sort of thing. And during that time, I really felt like the Lord gave me a picture and even a word of knowledge for somebody. And, and it was this. It was very specific and kind of kind of a risky thing for me to step out this way. And, and it was a, a woman with, the, here's the picture I saw. She had a, a black shirt, and on the, in the middle of the shirt was like gold, was the picture that I saw. And kind of the, the thought that I felt like I was getting from the Lord was just uh, joy and, and freedom from depression and sadness. And I was like, wow, that's really specific. And uh, I went ahead and I, I told the team when we were still here, and, and it was a bunch of us. And I was like, man, here's what I'm 
see, and I, I think this is going to happen when we're there. And so, you know, from the moment I get out of the airport, I'm looking for her, you know, I'm like, oh man, I, I like really kind of stepped out here. I'm taking a risk. And a uh, um, couple ministry uh, opportunities there, I, I didn't see anyone that matched this at all. And then I think it was about the first Sunday we were there, this lady from their church was speaking, and she was awesome. And I was uh, walking towards the back, and on the very uh, last row, honestly, in the very last seat, there she was. And she was wearing this black shirt, and there was this I heart Rio, and the heart was gold. And it swirls all over it, and so I grabbed Hakel, a friend of ours, she's an interpreter, and I'm thinking to myself, this is when the heart's like, dun, 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 dun. and in your mind, in your flesh, you're going, don't do it, don't do it, that you're, this is crazy, don't do it. That's what you're thinking in your mind, but I'm thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm here, I really felt like, the, I've, already, I've already told the, the, the team what I felt like God was telling me, so I'm just going to go for it and take a risk here, and so I pulled her aside, and I said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute, and um, she said, sure, and I said, I just have a question, and I'm when I was praying a couple weeks ago, I, gave, I felt like the Lord gave me this picture of a person. I said, it, it is totally okay if this isn't you. Totally fine. And I'm already, I'm apologizing, you know. I'm such a great man of faith. <sighs> so anyway, I'm already apologizing. I'm saying, it's okay if this isn't you. And I said, can I just ask you, have you for some time now really been wrestling with sadness? And she just started to cry. And she said, why do you ask? And I told her the story, and she just went, how is this possible? Would God really do that? And she's just bawling at this point. And I, and I said, wait right here. And I went and got Dee Dee, <laughs> which I often do. It's awesome to have a Dee Dee pack on your team because it goes a lot better that way. So I went and grabbed Dee Dee and said, Dee Dee, I found her. She's like, who? I'm like, the lady, remember? And she's like, oh, wow. So we went and talked to her. And then we pulled her aside in this room and just really wanted to honor her and respect her and, you know, not make a spectacle, but just really love her and minister to her. And I said, look, could it be, is it possible that, that God loves you so much that he would give me a picture of you in America a couple weeks ago so that you would know his intentions to free you and give you joy today? And she was like, wow. And then Dee Dee prayed for her and ministered to her. And by the time we're done, she, she just said, I haven't felt joy like this in a long, long time. And she's crying. And we're, it was just a beautiful time. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> so fun. So fun. The Lord is just fun like that because he's good. You know, like he says in his word. Never mind. Some of you caught that. Here's, here was kind of the highlight for me of the trip. And it wasn't a ministry moment. It wasn't a healing. It wasn't a time of worship or singing, although we had all of that stuff and it was beautiful. But for me... I had a really cool opportunity and a privilege and the honor to meet this really special lady. Her name's Edumea Williams, and we have a picture of her. There she is. And you can see Luke back there enjoying uh, a beverage. I think that's probably Guadana, which you need to have and try. And there's Danny and our friend David, and David's bawling, and I'm about to... And that's so there she is, and she is amazing. And it's probably one of the uh, 
greatest honors of my life to meet somebody like her. She talked and shared her story and you knew immediately like that you were sitting in the presence of one of the greats in the kingdom of God. I mean, just no joke. And so she began to share a story with us and her story is this. I'll try to get through it as quickly as I can. In her 30s and 40s, her husband passed away. He died and, and they were very affluent and he was very wealthy. And she found herself single with a lot of money at, uh, by the time she was 30 or 40 years old, thereabouts. And um, not really knowing what to do, but knowing that everything's an option, right? Everything's on the table. She can go anywhere, do anything. She could get remarried, and that would have been totally fine. She could, I don't know, buy a boat, and whatever she wanted to do, she could. But she shared how the Lord, over time, was just really giving her a heart for, for the kids in the ghettos. And where she lives was right by Copacabana Beach. Not bad. And um, she lived right there. And then over this mountain ridge was this big, beautiful lake. And it's in Rio. And, it's, um, and there's just a lot of wealthy people that live in that area. And just to the, to the side of it, sloping up the mountainside, is this ghetto. They call it a favela. And at the time, it was the most dangerous ghetto in all of Rio. And it wasn't a place that you could walk into. And there's all sorts of violence, uh, drugs, prostitution, uh, homelessness, just all sorts of stuff going on there. Um, about, there were no churches in, in, in this ghetto at all. And to uh, the best of their knowledge, no one was uh, Christian in this place. And so the Lord began to give her a heart for the kids in the ghetto and uh, wasn't able to go in. So what she did, there's this main street, and before you walk up into the ghetto, there's this park. So she began to play her guitar uh, in the park every day and give candy to kids. It's like I didn't know what else to do. And she felt like that's what the Lord gave her, and that was his strategy. And so in obedience, that's what she did every day, played her guitar in the park and gave candy to kids. And she said that it just stretched on for a long time and it seemed to be going nowhere. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, right? Have you ever been obedient to the Lord and he said, I'm going to do something great through your life and here's what I want you to do and here's a strategy and you do it. And, you know, after a while we're going, okay, you know. Nothing's happening here. I, I thought this is what you told me to do. And, you know, sometimes the Lord's just, trust me. And then she shared how uh, eventually what happened. There was this young man. He got the flu. He was sick. And he wanted uh, Ejimea to pray for him. So he lived in the ghetto. And so the, the father and the mother of this young boy went down into the park and found her. And she said, hey, our son is not feeling well. I want you to come pray for him. And so she got her first invitation to come into the ghetto, and she was just all smiles, and she tells us, and she said, that was my, that was my invitation to, to go in. She's like, I went into the favela that day, and I haven't come out since. It's beautiful. We have another picture of her. There she is just telling us her stories, and she just had the most amazing stories of how the Lord has provided for her and just miracle after miracle after miracle of what the Lord has done to take care of her and her kids. And she um, was given some property in this favela. And over the last 30 or 40 years, she's built this home. And it's like four or five levels. And it winds up through these like narrow stairways. And 
Um, to even get to her home, there's a picture here. Um, you have to hike up. Like to, from the bottom to the top of the favela, it's like hiking a 14er. You are worn out by the time you're done. And this is us walking up, heading to her home. And it's these very, very narrow walkways that you hike up and it just winds up and through uh, the place. We're on our way up to her home there. And that's John taking a rather odd picture of me. So there, we're walking up. And then we have another picture of us in the home. This is like her, uh, this is inside her home. And those two ladies that we're all praying for, they've just given their lives completely to serve Ejimeo Williams and, and the kids and the children there. And uh, I think, I believe that they're both single and they've just kind of given their entire life to those kids. And we asked them what we could do for them and how we could be a blessing to them. And they said, all we would like is if you would pray for us. So we did. And that there was a beautiful, beautiful moment. Ejimea was telling us how, um, what she started to do. And she started traveling the world because she had money and she uh, and her husband had, it's amazing how the Lord prepares us over time and things that seem to be random and uh, don't mean much. Later on in life, we go, oh, that's why I was there. And that's why that happened. And that's why you did that, Lord. And so she had built this life before her husband died where they knew lots of people all over the world. And so she said, well, what I'll do then is I'll spend all my money and I'll just travel the world and tell people the stories of the kids in the favelas of Rio and ask them for help. So that's what she did and that's what she's been doing ever since. And so she built this home from the ground up and, um, and she just says, I tr- she told us, she said, I travel the world and every penny I have, I give to the kids. And then I ask the Lord to take care of me. And you're sitting there and you're inspired by that. And then you're really challenged by that when she said it. And it was just amazing. And then, then she, after telling the stories of God's miraculous provision, she was also very honest with us as well. And she said, it has been so hard and I have been uh, broken and tired and lonely. And she said, there have been times when people have had to literally carry me onto the airplane so that I could get home because I was unable to walk in my own strength because I'm so tired from trying to get people to help the kids. And then she just said to me, I, or to all of us really, she said, I have poured all of myself out for these children and for God And he has been good to me, and I feel his pleasure. And I sat there and just wept. She could do anything. She could go anywhere. And she said, you know, I've essentially, I've just cashed it all in and given it all to the Lord and all to the kids, and it's been hard, but she's just smiled, you know, ear to ear. She's like, but you know, I feel his pleasure every day. I've uh, thought about her for the last couple weeks and thought a number of things. 
one thing was, was just this. Before Brazil, a couple years ago, I had never heard the name Ejimea Williams. Has anyone here ever heard of her? Some of you might have. She does travel a bit in the States, but she travels all over the world. And, and I, before Brazil, I had never heard of her. She's not known in our culture. In fact, if, if you uh, get out a magazine or get online and look at uh, Hollywood's uh, top A-list celebrities, her name's never going to show up. Never. I doubt, anyway. And you know, I, I really doubt that Entertainment Tonight is ever going to do a piece on her. Really doubt it. She's probably not going to win a People's Choice Award. Right? I really doubt that David Letterman's ever going to have her on his show as a guest. And, and to us, she's an unknown. But the Lord was showing me that, like, yeah, in America, she's an unknown. But, Jason, you need to understand that all of heaven celebrates this woman. And in, in like, the hall of fame in heaven, there's entire hallways that just celebrate Ejimea Williams. And she walks the streets of America and no one notices, but all of heaven just applauds her every day. It's amazing. And ever since then, the words of Jesus just come to life for me in a whole new way, especially in Matthew 16. Turn there. Let's look at it. Matthew 16, we'll start in verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. Some of you don't know it yet, but you must be killed. Not physically necessarily, but you're tracking with me. That he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter, what you're thinking about, what you're worried about, what you're concerned about, what you're holding on to, just not my heart, they're not heaven concerns. They're yours. And Jesus, in that moment, he's challenging his thinking. And he's he's saying, Peter, I need you to think differently and look at the world differently. Right? It's quiet in here. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must. Everyone say that word, must. Must. Not if you want to, not if it fits in our schedule, not if it works out, not if it, it, right? No, Jesus is going like, this isn't an issue of opinion or preference. You must. Tough words. But we learn and we've we got to see that in, in these words are life and freedom. 
And he goes, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will what? Will find it. You'll find it. If you cash it all in, just give it all to him. You'll find what you're really looking for. You'll find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Man, isn't that beautiful? What a word. I mean, right there, you could just kind of hang out on that passage for quite a while, and the Lord could say and do a lot in our lives. Luke and I were, about six weeks ago, had the privilege of going to a conference in Nashville, Tennessee. We went to the Storyline Conference, and Donald Miller was there. And I'm a big Donald Miller fan. I love his books. love his writing. Um, and it was just a great time. And Donald was talking about story and the elements of story, that the elements that make up a good story and how you apply it to life. And he was just challenging the people there to not only uh, uh, be able to tell good stories, but to live one. And the question was this, we're all living a story, but is your story worth living? And is your story a good story? Right? And at one point, he was discussing the, the three most dominant theories and then the last, I don't know, 100 years or so uh, concerning man's purpose for living. And there's three that have kind of risen to the surface over that time. And one was by Freud, uh, Sigmund Freud. And he said this, man's purpose for living is the pursuit of pleasure. That's Freud. That's what we're after. That's why we were created. That's why we were born. And what man is really after and what man really needs is pleasure. And then this guy, uh, Alfred Adler, uh, gave a rebuttal to Freud. And he said, no, nah, it's not really pleasure that man is after. It's power. The pursuit of man is power. Power is what we need. Power is what we're looking for. And then this guy, Viktor Frankl, he was in, uh, spent a lot of time in the concentration camps during the war. Uh, he's a psychologist, uh, author, just theologian, thinker. And he comes out and he, he gives a rebuttal to both of these guys. And he said, really, the pursuit of man isn't pleasure or power. It's, it's meaning. And pleasure and power is what we fall back on when we're unable to find meaning. Man, isn't that true? I mean, think of Americans. That's just what we do. When we can't find meaning, what do we do? We just uh, think of the next purchase and plan the next vacation. I can't find meaning, so let's just have fun. And know what I'm saying here, and please hear my heart. I'm not like saying that as believers, we, we can't like go rest and have fun with our family and friends and like take some time to vacation. It's, it's not where I'm going with this at all. Please grab a hold of the heart of what I'm saying. But somehow in our pursuit for meaning, when we can't find it, we tend to fall back on either pleasure or power. We just kind of climb the corporate ladder and make a bunch of money and and just gain more influence and authority. And maybe that'll do it. Maybe that'll fill the void. And that doesn't work. So maybe it's pleasure. And that doesn't work either. And so what are we really after here? And and it's meaning. And he says this in one of his books. And I, I want to put it up on the screen. 
because I, I feel like it's profound. He says, for too long, we have been dreaming a dream from which we are now waking up. The dream that if we just improve the socioeconomic situation of people, everything will be okay. People will become happy. The truth is that as the struggle for survival has subsided, the question has emerged, survival for what? Evermore, people today have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. Wow. And somehow in our pursuit of meaning, we allow the lies of our culture to just kind of deceive us, right? And it just happens, doesn't it? It's happened to me. I remember several years ago, Megan and I, for the first time, finally had the means to take some vacations because we were married when I was 19 and spent most of our married life together just totally broke. It was awesome and hard at the same time, but a few years ago, we finally had the means to take some vacations, and so we did. And so we had the we went on a cruise. That was one of our first that we took together, and, and that was um, great for me. Megan threw up the whole time. Um, so I, I, I had a pretty good time, I, I guess. And uh, so, and then after that, we, had, we were able to go to Mexico, some family, and we had a good time there. And, and we did do some stuff that was really fun. And so, so get what I'm saying here, and that's all great. If, if you can take a vacation, do it, you know, if you've never done so. But something started to stir in our hearts where we found ourselves in this place where we'd come home after a vacation and we'd kind of look at each other and go, well, okay, so there's that. What do you want to do now? And it's kind of fun, but there just wasn't a whole lot of meaning in it. So we started to just kind of get this idea, what if every year, instead of a vacation only, what if we took that time and we took that money and we just found ways to like add some meaning and like give to some kids and and help some people and and travel and do some missional work. And then maybe off the end of it, we could take a couple days and go swim and hang out on the beach and rest a little bit. But maybe we could just kind of like merge those two worlds and like do something that like matters so that by the time we get home, we're not just like looking at each other all sunburned, but with like weird shirts. Right? And that part of our trips do happen, but something else happens as well as we meet people and we walk the streets of amazing places. And we now have the privilege of saying that we have people that we would call family all over the world because we've cried with them, we've walked with them, we've sown seeds into the kingdom of God with them. And it has been amazing. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. Like maybe just, just consider it, you know, maybe consider talking to the, your, your wife, your husband, your, your friends, the kids, and just saying, Hey, what if we rethink the next trip? Maybe Jesus' words of, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Maybe he's actually right. I don't know. (laughs) 
Peter was uh, having this dialogue with Jesus in Matthew 19. 27, and Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, You who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, who's everyone? Are you everyone? Okay, so great news for you. Everyone in this room is a part of everyone, right? And these are Jesus' words to you today. So grab a hold of this. He says, everyone who has left houses or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields. For what? For my sake. Everyone who has done this will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You know what the problem with meeting somebody like Edumea Williams is? Here's the problem with meeting her is that after you meet somebody like her, you can't read the teachings of Jesus and kind of brush them aside as some sort of, sort of teachings for a people group long time ago, right? It's not just some, you know, wise fables that somebody wrote thousands of years ago and wasn't that neat. I mean, the problem with meeting Ejimea Williams is then you read the scriptures and you realize that the same challenges that Jesus gave to them are the same challenges that he gives to me, but the same promises and rewards that he offers the disciples are the same ones that he offers to me. And his words that he spoke then are actually alive and well and apply right now. And that's exciting, but it's also challenging because you can't just go, oh, that's a nice verse. And you meet her and you're like, ah, sitting with her for half an hour did this. It exposed so much unbelief in me because I have to confess this for a large part of my journey. For a large part of my spiritual journey with the Lord, so much of what he's asked me to give up, I've I've refused to do so. Why? Because at the end of the day, I haven't really believed that he's as good as he says he is and that he'll give me what he said he'll give me and that, that, that hundred times as much. I haven't really believed that that's actually waiting for me on the other side. So God, heal our unbelief. walk away from a conversation like Edumea Williams and you realize that for all of us there's a journey out there that awaits each one and Jesus boldly stands and watches and he says hey lay it all down and come and follow me and he waits for us to say yes and this journey that this invitation this story that God wants to write in our lives. I mean, it's almost so good that it has to be a fairy tale. 
except that it's all too real. And you have an invitation to start right now. And the fee to step onto that, that journey, the fee to take that trip is to take everything that we have and lay it at his feet and go, Lord, I will withhold nothing from you. I will say no to nothing. I'll give you everything. Like there's nothing that I'll hold on to but it's all yours. It's all yours. It's all yours. And I just have this dream, this vision that Vine Life would be this church, this community of people up on a hill in Boulder, Colorado, that when people would walk in, they would see these people that every Sunday express extravagant worship and these people that give extravagantly, these people that sacrifice extravagantly, these people that have just kind of laid it all down and given it all to Jesus. And these people that would say, man, we've given it all to him and we're tired, but he's been good and we feel his pleasure. And I I just believe that this could be us. I believe that it's our story that we're to live and our journey that we're to take. Amen? Let's pray. Coming into land, I I knew this week that what the Lord would want to say to me might not necessarily be what he's saying to you and how he would challenge me. He may challenge you in a different way. What he might ask me to lay down might be very different for you. You see, we're not clones and he's writing beautiful stories in each of our lives. The question for you is, what's he saying? And where does it sit for you? And in your lives, what is Jesus whispering into your ear saying, son, daughter, just lay it down and come after me. What is that for you? What is that for you? prayer for you, my prayer for us is that we would have the hope and the faith to believe that what lies on the other side is so much better. And so I pray, Father, for us as a people, as a community, that faith would arise in our hearts. Give us, God, in this place the faith to believe that you are as good as you say you are and you fulfill every promise really are that good. I know some of us have met so much disappointment that it's hard to believe that, but the truth is he really is that good. Lord, help us believe that. Help us see that. Give us faith. Give us courage. So God, that we could be a people that don't just hear incredible stories, but a people that live them. In Jesus' name we pray.